First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 683 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys. I got an exciting guest returning to the podcast today. Sean Duffy is going to be here with me. Sean Duffy is the co-host of a brand new show over on Fox Business called The Bottom Line, which he co-hosts with Dagan McDowell. Sean is a former prosecutor, sports commentator, and really, uh, he got his start, him and his wife, as reality TV stars when reality TV was brand new. Sean Duffy was a member of The Real World Boston, but it was on MTV's Road Rules All-Stars in 1998, where he would meet his future wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Rachel was a member of the third season of MTV's Real World, Real World San Francisco. The two of them met, fell in love. They now have nine children together. Uh, They are an awesome couple. I had the honor of having uh, Sean and his wife, Rachel, join me on the podcast two years ago. If you flip it back to episode 560, uh, you can hear that episode or that interview I did with the two of them. Sean is a former congressman in Wisconsin. He did some commentating uh, for ESPN. He was a color commentator. But right now, as I mentioned in the beginning there up top, he is focused as the co-host on The Bottom Line on Fox Business. The show started a couple of weeks ago. I did this interview with Sean uh, shortly after the program first launched, but I had the Super Bowl interviews to put out with you guys, so I'm finally getting around to putting this episode out for you guys to enjoy. The Bottom Line you can hear on Fox Business between 6 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Duffy and McDowell round out the business day. They discuss the hotly debated issues regarding politics and business, something the two of them are very well versed in. The program is being very well received, so get over there to Fox Business and check out the bottom line. We're going to talk about how finances affect all of us as dads, as parents, as husbands. We're going to jump into all this stuff as it relates to helping kids learn what to do with a dollar, how to save money, how to save for college. Is college necessary? We're going to break it all down. We know right now the inflation is out of control. There is so much going wrong in the financial world of the United States right now. So Sean Duffy, I'm honored to have him back on the podcast here. He is a first-class father all the way. Sean Duffy's going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Sean Duffy was recorded on video, is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation uh, between Sean Duffy and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and as I mentioned there, Sean and Rachel both joined me here back on episode 560. Rachel also does a lot of work. She's a a Fox News contributor as well. If you want to hear that one, go back to 560 and take a listen. Also, many other Fox News dads have joined me here on the podcast. Everybody from Tyrus, who's just been crushing it over on Gutfield, to Sean Hannity, Pete Hegseth, Jesse Waters, uh, really almost the whole crew over there on Fox News has joined me here on the podcast. Brian Killamead, Steve Ducey. You can find all my Fox News interviews in the archives of the podcast. Don't forget, Mike Lindell has dropped a brand new MyPillow. It's called MyPillow 2.0. He's got some phenomenal deals going on right over there right now for the MyPillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at MyPillow.com and take advantage of all the savings. He's got the buy one, get one still going on. That's going to be ending real soon. Don't miss out on that. But you can still save up to 66% off on your entire order if you use the promo code FATHERHOOD over at MyPillow.com. All right, and be sure you lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guests. If you have the opportunity, please let me spread the word about the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. 
Father's Day is every day, right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Father of Nine, Sean Duffy on First Class Father. Joining me now, First Class Father, Sean Duffy. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah, last time I had you here along with your wife, Rachel. It's an honor to have you back. Uh, let, let's start here with a little little update on uh, on the kids. Nine kids. How's everybody doing? How's the family? Nine kids are doing great. I have one uh, who just got married. She's 23. She got married last summer, so which is kind of crazy. I didn't think that would happen that early as a, as a dad. Um, I've got another one who just went off to college, one who's out making movies in L.A., and then the rest are at home, so I have six at home. Uh, my little Valentina, uh, who has Down syndrome, she's three. Uh, she's going to uh, to preschool. None of mine went to preschool. We kept them at, at home as long as possible. But for services, she goes. So she gets on a little bus every day and goes into school and gets services, which has actually been pretty pretty great. So for a while, for the first time in my marriage, I have part of the day that is free without kids. It's never happened that way. So it's new. Wow. new- yeah, well, props to you for that. I know I've seen uh, your daughter, uh, Avita, run uh, with uh, Tucker talking about the, uh, I believe it was the Tamale guys uh, getting uh, hit, abused, the whole bit. But I, I saw her piece on Tucker. I thought she did a phenomenal job. What was that like for you as a dad, seeing her take on that role and do so well as she's been doing? Done a few um, hits with Fox, um, but so I was less nervous on that one that she did. I was more nervous the first time she did it. Uh, it was during the pandemic and we have a studio in our basement. And so she, she did it out of the basement. I was upstairs watching and I was pacing back and forth and I think I was sweaty and uh, really nervous for her. But um, listen, I'm, I'm proud of her. She's, she's a good little conservative, a good little Catholic. Um, and she's telling stories um, that, that she cares about. And she went, she went to school in Chicago at the University of Chicago. And it's an area that she's like, it's the, the, just the dumbest policy is to say, we're going to go cashless for, which is the most part, a poor community, and many of them are illegal. No one, they don't have bank accounts. They can't go cashless. Lori Lightfoot was saying, hey, listen, we want this, because there's so many robberies and whatnot in, in this area that a lot of the small businesses had to shut down. And Lori Lightfoot, instead of addressing crime, was like, well, why don't we just have you go cashless so they can't steal it? It's like, hello, they don't have, they can't go cashless. Everyone uses cash. So she did a great, great little uh, package on that. Yeah, yeah, great reporting. Seeing her, uh, you know, on the scene there rather than have to be, like you said, in the basement where everyone was doing that during the COVID time. But uh, you now you and Rachel have been really just crushing it on Fox. I know now uh, you have the new show, Fox Business, The Bottom Line. Uh, you guys, have been, you already started the show here. What is it all about, and wh- wh- where are you guys going with it? We're on uh, Fox Business, six p.m. Uh, every night, Monday through Friday. Dagan McDowell and and I host the show together. And this, we're talking about the, the, the kitchen table issues that I think matter to people. And I, there's, there's a cross-section between, between politics, um, culture, and business. They all come together because so much, so much of what's happening in Washington, D.C. is affecting our everyday lives. Um, and we take that to life and have a lot of fun uh, at 6 o'clock every night uh, on Fox Business on the Bottom Line. So we, we've been having a ball where we're... Uh, we're one week, one day into it. This will be one week, two days today uh, into it. We're having a blast. 
Well, there's no doubt that right now, Sean, uh, the bottom line is affecting families all across the country here. Obviously, uh, you know, whether you have nine kids or you got four like myself, we're all feeling this. And it's been happening for quite a while here. And especially with the inflation, I know you guys had your your first guest on the show, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, I had him on the podcast here not that long ago. Uh, You guys talking about uh, the gas prices, the gas lighting that's coming from the media telling you, oh, look, the gas prices are coming down. Yet it's it's a play on words here. It's been uh, they're still higher than they were. And that has been one of the number one drivers that's been crippling families, uh, not to mention the price that we're paying now for food at the grocery store. But all that's been uh, affected by these gas prices here right now. And it's a tough time uh, on so many families. So what what kind of advice do you have right now out there for the families? What kind of tips do you have for them that are trying to keep their budget that's already been tight with all this inflation, the gas prices, the whole bit? First off, um, I, I believe that gas prices have gone up for the last five weeks. So when the when the Biden administration is touting the fact that gas prices are going down, um, that's actually not true. They're going up. And to your point, they're much higher than they were than when Joe Biden took office on January 20th of 2020. So it's 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 it is complete gaslighting. Um, and because I shop for so many people when I go to the grocery store, I've seen I mean, I, I feel the impact of prices because uh, I'm buying so much food. And when I'm hearing that the prices uh, at the grocery store have gone up, what, 10% in the last year, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, there's no way that my prices have only gone up by 10%. My bills seem to be 30, 40% more than what they used to be. And so I don't know how they're calculating. The government calculates these numbers, but you go spend 60 bucks, bucks at the store and all you walk out with a little, a little bag of groceries. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that that data is actually accurate because the, the, the pain feels um, much, uh, much more stringent, much, it's much deeper. You know, I don't know what, what, what advice, every family has to make their own decision, right? So um, I have a lot of kids who so have to have a Suburban and I'm yelling about kids driving because gas is so expensive and I can't put them, I mean, I, I get a big Catholic van but I, I drive in a suburban and if I all go to, we all go together, I don't have another choice, but you do have to have, if you have an option to get a used car, which I'm looking for right now, that gets way better gas mileage. Um, I'm not going to buy a new car, but a used car that gets me from point A to point B and gets better, better mileage. I'm looking at that myself. Um, and frankly, we, we eat less meat. Um, you know, meat's expensive, really expensive. So we make different choices that try to help bring that bill down, um, which I think everyone is doing in their own homes, in their own lives, trying to manage budgets. And if, if, if you're, you're buying a house or you had a mortgage that you have to refinance, um, mortgage rates have gone through the roof for people. So that's hitting their budgets. If you're a renter, you've seen the cost of, of rent go up. So we're getting pinched at every turn. And you know what frustrates me is I, when people tell us they're trying to help us out, they're trying to make our lives better and they have the answers for us. So often they're just messing stuff up. I was, I was, I was, I was changing a light bulb last night, right? It's like that, that light bulb has been out for two months, change it. Um, but I went and got a light bulb and they have all these led lights now. Remember? And they're like, they're like eight bucks, 10 bucks a piece are expensive. I remember when I used to go to Walmart and I got the four pack of hundred watt bulbs for a buck 50. Now I get one for eight bucks. Every they're, they're, everything's getting ruined because of some of these policies that are coming out of um, 
Democrat administration. So uh, I, I just think America, the American people, when they have enough, they'll change course. They, yeah. as a selection, they haven't had enough quite yet. And they gave the Senate back to Democrats. So you have more abuse um, on the horizon unless Republicans in the House can stop it. And to your point, too, we just made the switch about six months ago. We went from the minivan that we had to a, a hybrid uh, minivan where we went from like 19 miles to the gallon to like 38, 39 miles to the gallon. A big difference for us to do that. But I think a lot of families have been forced to kind of make and look for those options now. And, and with the grocery store, I do the food shopping for the six of us in our, in our family. And it is absolutely uh, incredible the way the prices have gone up. And you hear it at the grocery store from everybody. Uh, when, when they're doing their shop, it's just the ridiculousness of how much these basic uh, needs and basic things that you shop for, how they have all skyrocketed. Yet we all see these in, here in Jersey where I am. We can't even use a, a shopping bag anymore. So everyone's got to come in with the duffel bags and uh, everyone forgets their bags. And it's like a, it, it makes zero sense. Yet, you know, it, this is the logic of these of, of what is going on, where we're not allowed to use the, the shopping bags to take our stuff. But every product that I buy comes in a plastic wrapper or a plastic container. So you scratch your head going, how are we saving the world here by not using the shopping bag? But everything we buy uh, is more expensive and it's coming in a plastic container. It's just I, I don't get how, you know, people can just look at it. And say, oh, yeah, th- this makes sense. None of it makes any sense. Use those little plastic bags for diapers. We put the, you get the pl- plastic bag from the grocery store, you put your diaper in there, tie it up and put it in the garbage. And now, you, you, and, and again, I love Wisconsin. I'm in New Jersey. This is stupid rules, but you have to buy other bags to then put diapers in. Cause, and I, but I have more, I spent more money on the stupid bags at, at checkout because I forget to bring them in. I got a, a whole suburban darn things. It's so frustrating. But let me tell you, so here's, here's our a little Duffy philosophy as well. So, um, family debate. My, I, I, my kids are driving, right? And I'm really nervous about them driving and staying safe. Um, and so, and in the mileage as well. So I thought, well, why don't we, Rachel and I look at a Tesla, not because I want electric. So don't, don't throw stones at me. I, I don't want it because it's electric, but the technology in the vehicle is, is unsurpassed by no one. It's, it's amazing. And with the self-driving and the I, I felt like my kids are going to be safe. So Rachel and I are having this debate and she's like, I'll tell you what, no way in hell are we going to get an electric vehicle. These kids are, are mining cobalt over in Africa. You know, we're making this transition to electric and who makes electric batteries, who owns the cobalt is we're selling our souls to China. We have oil under our own feet. We make our own cars. We're not doing it. So like, Again, so I, again, I drive a suburban. I'm looking for a cheaper vehicle to drive that's still safe for the kids. But it's interesting how they're pushing this electrification on the country, and we're going to lose our um, our freedom and our autonomy over economy. We're, we're again selling more of our soul to China, and you wonder: Are people stupid, or is this intentional? And I come to the conclusion on all these issues: it, They're not dumb. They're really smart. What they're doing is intentional um, and is purposeful. Even the, I, I'm, I'm a Bitcoin guy, right? Not because I'm some, I look at this and go, you can't print money. You can't borrow money the way we're doing it forever. And there's no end in sight. They're not going to stop. Um, this will end one day. And I don't think it's too far away. So what are the, how do you protect yourself? So you can buy some gold, you can buy some silver, you can buy some Bitcoin, but, the end of this is really bad. 
And I look at that and go, do they do they think they can be go from thirty one point five trillion to fifty trillion to seventy trillion? How many trillion can you borrow before people are like, I'm not buying that debt anymore. It's worthless. That day will come, and they know that. I think it's intentional because the way you the way you rebuild a society is you first destroy it. The best way to destroy it is to ruin its economy and, and its currency, which is what I think they're intentionally doing to us because no sane person who loves their country would ever pile this kind of debt on. It's, you're never going to pay it back. You're just you're going to borrow more and make more promises to people that you can never pay back. They know that. So I go, of course, this is purposeful. Just like they're trying to make this transition to electric. They're trying to make um, me buy a, a dishwasher that doesn't wash dishes because of all these environmental standards. And I use, I put more, I put more dishes in dishwashers and rewash them because they don't get cleaned because these stupid EPA rules, they don't clean your dishes. Sorry. It's ridiculous. It, it, it is ridiculous, Sean. We're going through the same thing over here. And also I, I would argue too, that in, in one of the things that's been done intentionally is destroy our nuclear family units and I think that is at the, the core of everything that we are seeing. And I know a lot of people talk about the, the poverty. Uh, I, 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 just, I have a couple of guests on. We were talking about this entire thing with uh, what's going on with police and with citizens. And they're saying, oh, if we have to attack the poverty. Uh, but they don't want to have the conversation about the family unit because people that are living in poverty, particularly kids, the overwhelming majority of them that are living under the poverty line are coming from fatherless households. They're being raised in single mother households. So you can't even begin to have this poverty conversation, this economic conversation, unless you have this conversation about strengthening our nuclear family units, which nobody seems to want to have. But unless you have it, you can't solve all these other issues. And that problem is so big, right? How do you fix it? Um, and I've, I've thought about this a lot and I've come to the conclusion. I was a U.S. congressman, right? Um, I'm, I'm one of 435. It's pretty powerful, pretty good position. And I can't do anything to change that. Um, the one thing I have power over is my family. And if I want to save America, I couldn't save America as a congressman. I couldn't save it as a senator. I couldn't save it as a mayor. The way we save America is by saving our families. Um, and if everybody Yes, we care about what's happening around us. But if you focus in on your own family and say, this is the most important thing, I'm going to make sure my kids are well-educated. Um, they know God. They have faith. Um, I'm, if I can, I'm taking them out of a woke school system. I'm going to ask my parents as the father or my, my brothers and sisters to help get my kids out of the public school and into a private school. My kids go to a Catholic classical um, school in New Jersey, the best darn school I could ever ask for, the stuff they're learning and reading. But I'm, I'm going to protect my kids. Have dinner with your kids at night. Talk about these issues. Talk about their lives. Deal with phones. These phones are, and I made mistakes on the phones. They, like, I have so many kids, so I can learn from my mistakes. But that sucks them in, and they're, dis, they're, 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 they're depressed. They're distracted. They can't talk to people. And so we, with number four, I got this. Is number four? Got it right with? One, two, three. So number four. Yeah. So she's a freshman, no phone. Now, does she still get on social media? Yes. But I have a family computer not far off of my kitchen where we're all at. And she'll sneak in there and get on and talk to whoever. But she's not up all night on her phone. She's not up in the morning on her phone. She's not in school on her phone. If we want to save the country, 
and we all say to our families, there's more of us than them. We're going to win, but we got to, they're, they're getting our kids. Um, and we have to recalibrate and go, you might get other, you're not getting my kids. You're not getting my family and I'm going to protect it. And as dads, that's our job, right? Protect your family. Um, and I think so often we're so distracted as, as parents and fathers in all these different directions. One day when you go meet our maker, we had one job to do, which is raise good kids. Um, and I don't want to answer and go, well, I, I dropped the ball on that one. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go, well, I, I did the, I did a, I think I did a pretty darn good job, or at least I, I tried my heart out to do it. Yeah. Well said. And I know we always hear like, uh, oh, the future is female or the future is this or that. In my opinion, the future is family. And th th our country is going to be saved not by politicians, but by parents. And that's where it's got to start, man. And like you said, it's got to start at the kitchen table. And from there, once we get that, it, it will trickle down into everything in our society, the homelessness, the, the crime rate, the suicide, the drug use, the teenage pregnancies, the whole bit, the, 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 the dropouts from high school, they all correlate to this family problem that we're having. And one thing I wanted to get your take on here too, because I have two, my older two are now working, they're in the workforce uh, and, and we're seeing things like McDonald's offering uh, $18 an hour for just a starting job with a signing bonus. We're seeing things that are like mind boggling, like, wow, look at that. But yet they can't keep these jobs filled. Everyone's hiring and, I, and some something seems off. I don't know if it's the kids that they don't want to work. They don't want that job, but it seems like uh, there's so much opportunity for employment that people aren't taking advantage of. And I don't know, is it at the drive in the kids, the parents not wanting them to work? What do you see as the, as what's going on here with this? That's a good question. Cause I, when we were growing up, it's like, I wanted to work. So I wanted my own money. Um, whether it was something I wanted to buy or wanted to, you know, take a girl that I liked out to dinner or to, to, to the Hardee's back in Hayward, Wisconsin. Um, and I think that a lot of parents coddle and baby their kids and probably give them too much, support them, you know, too much. It's like they, they give them their own money as opposed to they give them their money as opposed to saying, go earn your own. Um, and that back in the day, my parents didn't give me money. I had to go earn it. So maybe there's a cultural thing that's happened. We want to make it easy on our kids or I think listen, sports are great. I've learned a ton from sports um, in individual sports and team sports. But right now, the focus of families is so often sports. Your kid's not going to play pro. Like 99.8% of you parents, your kid's not playing pro, but you, your kid can't work because they're in all these sports programs and leagues and camps. And it's like, listen, um, there's more to life than sports. Sports are important. You learn a lot from it, but you can focus on other stuff in your family that develop your child in really important ways that I think parents are missing. And I think there's a focus on things um, other than the basics and work gets in the way of the camp and the practice and the sports and all that. So that's, that's maybe my, 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 the one thing I, I, I would go to that is, is the problem. Yeah, I like that. And to your point there, it used to be when I was a kid, we played whatever sport was for that season. So we played football, we played, then we would play basketball, then baseball, and then summer, and that would be the end of it. Now it's like you play one sport, you're doing it all year long in travel leagues and this league and that league. So it's kind of like a nonstop thing uh, that's going on. But I also wanted to get your take because my oldest is 16 and he's. You played sports all year long in the summer you worked. Right. Yeah, that's the way that's the way it was. And one of the other things is, Sean, when I was like 16 years old, 
Uh, you were counting down the days on the calendar till you got your driver's license. It was like the most important thing in the world. And now my 16-year-old, who's going to turn 17, he seems like he could care less when he gets his license. And it seems like a lot of his friends are the same way. Uh, do you see that with your kids? What's going on with that? Mind-boggling. I'm like, I, I, that was the greatest source of freedom as a 16-year-old in Wisconsin when I got my own license. And it, it's kind of this, this rite of passage into the step towards adulthood. And yet, yeah, I don't know what it is. They, they, they don't give a darn about getting, about getting their license. And maybe it's this. You see that like, they don't socialize like we used to socialize because to socialize, we had to go meet up somewhere and actually look at each other and, 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 and talk and tell jokes and tell stories. They, they're, they're sitting in their bedrooms on their phone doing that exact same thing. So the need and desire to have their freedom of a car to go to a meeting location with your other friends doesn't exist anymore because a lot of times they just want to sit at home and, and, and talk on these stupid things. I don't know. I mean, this kids will come over to my house and I'll, and I'll be out of the room and I'll, and I'll come in and there's like four kids there and they're all on their phone. I'm like, put the damn things down, talk to each other. Um, it's the, it, again, these, the, the, the phone is such a huge problem. And, but the problem too, with that is it's such a part of their life, right? It's the way they communicate. It's the way they, they stay in touch with each other. So I think it's hard to take it all the way away. Some might say that's unrealistic, but there has to be some kind of management and some of the bullying that goes on as well. You I mean, you can't, you, it's, it's on in the morning. It's on during school. It's on at night. Um, and there's never a respite from it. And that's why we've kind of done, done, done this thing. There's no phone for my daughter, but she wants to get on. There's a computer that you can that you can get on. But I know when you're on it because I know you're in the room on the computer and I can manage it. Um, but it's it's rotting the minds of our kids. They can't focus anymore and they're depressed. But again, it comes back to cars. They're not they're not going places. They just sit up, they, they just sit and look at this thing all night long on a Friday or Saturday night and they're happy. I'm like, okay. And I worry about that too, Sean, because it's, it, you know, we, we were obviously driving and then the phone came into place. Uh, we didn't have that when we learned how to drive, when we started driving, that came in along the way. Our kids now, they're, they're on the phone before getting the license. So that's coming with them into the car. And that creates a whole nother set of worries. Like you're just worried about them because they're so attached to the phone that they're not paying attention to what they're doing. I know now we're having the driverless cars and the whole bit. But until that happens, you got to pilot the vehicle without having to look at the phone every two seconds. And you wish there was some kind of magical advice that uh, a device that would just kill the cell phone the minute they walk into the car. But that's not available. And it, it, it is such a concern just because like the number one, the interest isn't there in driving already. And now you're distracted by the phone. It just seems like it's just we're setting these guys up uh, for just a catastrophe uh, when they do get behind the wheel. It, it, it's, it's so dangerous. Um, and as parents, it's it freaks me out. And I, I talk to my kids all the time, but it's one time that you grab your phone, you look down. I mean, we see it ourselves. If you grab your phone and you look at it, you know, all of a sudden you're over the a lane, you're like, Oh, bring it back. But in an instant, you can change your, 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 your the, the history and the story of your family. Cause, cause you, you lose one of those little precious kids that, um, that, that, that you gave birth to. And so, um, but what do you do? You can't, you can't lock them up. You gotta, you, you gotta let them go and instill the fear of God in them when they, if they're using that phone while they're in the car, because they're already bad drivers. They're already horrible drivers at that age. We all were. Um, and that makes them that much worse when they're on the phone. Um, 
But I, you know, you 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 said something about about you know, you, the, some people talk about the future is female, and you said no, the future is family. What really bothers me is is what society is trying to do to men and masculinity. To be a strong man, to be a masculine man that leads their family um, is a beautiful thing. And that doesn't mean you don't respect women and females, but we, you start taking, you start demonizing men. Um, and all of a sudden, what happens is, and we're doing it in school all the time, you start seeing kids, young boys not doing well in school. They start hanging out in their basement. They're playing video games. And eventually, they grow up into young men who no woman wants to marry. No young girl wants to marry the product of what culture is helping raise in these in these do-nothing boys. Where we used to go, you know what, we had drive and initiative and a little a little bravado. I mean, that's who boys are. Um, and we're trying, the culture is trying to destroy that. Um, and I think as fathers, we have to push hard back on that to, to really, t- I mean, set an example of, you know, being a man and masculinity and that it's okay. Um, it's a good thing, um, no matter what they tell you. And, and that being a man also comes with respect um, and loyalty and all those, those great traits that men have. But it seems like culture wants to focus on men who do bad things and want to say that those bad things, those bad acts are masculine. And it's, just, it's we got we got to fix that. Yeah. And that's all by design as well, Sean. That's it's all been done to, to attack men, masculinity. They're looked down upon uh, being a strong head of household now is looked at the patriarch of the family. They want to kill that whole idea. They just want they, they are really just weakening men and by by effect weakening our society as well. And just I wanted to touch back on when you were mentioning Bitcoin, because uh, this has got a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what to think of the Bitcoin. I know I, I've had a couple of your colleagues on here. I know I had Stuart Varney on uh, during the pandemic when the Bitcoin was flying through the ceiling and we had the, the, the what were they, the Wall Street bros or whatever they were that were pumping up the stocks. Uh, Bitcoin was at like 68,000 at the time. And then we saw that decline and a lot of people starting to panic. What do you make of it? You said you're, you're a fan of it. Um, what do you make of the Bitcoin? Where is it going? Is the future of this cryptocurrency? Is that Should we get on board now? Uh, what do you make of it? I think blockchain is going to revolutionize the way we do a lot of things. Um, number one, um, uh, Bitcoin is the gold standard of, of cryptocurrency. Um, I've done, I've played and dabbled in a lot of the different little meme coins uh, and have done well with them. Uh, got in early and, you know, listen, I, I've, I've, I'm down on my Bitcoin, but the meme coins have, you know, made me pretty close to even, but here's if, 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 so Bitcoin, there's only, there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin. They're not going to mine anymore. There's a finite number. So I'll let the government who keeps creating more money, when you create more money, you're devaluing the dollar that I have when you create more dollars. Um, there's only so many Bitcoin um, and it's decentralized, meaning the community has control and say over if I if if if, if I'm going to tra- I have a bit I have one Bitcoin and I'm going to give my Bitcoin to you. The community looks at this transaction. They go, "Yep, Duffy Duffy has one. He's going to give one up," and they they they'll uh, they'll affirm um, this this transaction. And so governments governments out of out of the mix. Number one. Um, it's it's the community that 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 manages Bitcoin. But um, second, 
you look at when when you're printing money, when when you juice the economy, rich people seem to do really well, right? They can play that system really well, and it seems like poor people, more middle class people, don't do as well when that happens, or don't do as well as the rich. This levels the playing field completely, um, and so if you don't have faith in currency, um, where do you go? And so my question to you is. Why does the dollar have value? Do you know the answer to that? No. The dollar has value because we say it has value. We all agree that a dollar has um, a certain value and it's all agreed upon. That's why we can exchange it and use it all over. But we all agree that it has value. There's nothing unique and special about it. I can't send it to the federal government and now get gold or silver. It's it's got value because we said it has value. Bitcoin also has value because we say it has value. Um, and I'm concerned one day we'll say the dollar doesn't have value. Um, and we've seen that throughout history. And so then you got to ask, where do I go? This is a, a, a decentralized platform um, with, with only a limited amount of coins. I, I can put some there. I can put some in some gold. I can put some in some silver. But you might have some trying times, especially if this goes if this goes bad. And I hate I, I, I maybe I have a tinfoil hat on this. I hope this is not our future, but I'm really concerned um, about how we're moving forward um, with, with with the Fed and and um, the 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 currency creation. Does the does the government go into cryptocurrency and centralize it and 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 make that the base? Is that where we're headed with this in the future? I know I've heard talks about that. Do you see that happening? So I, I, they're going to try to do it. And so think of the, uh, nuclear uh, power, the splitting of the atom, beautiful technology, right? That um, you get massive amounts of energy, no carbon emission, right? It can be used for really wonderful things or it can be used to make a bomb, right? Really, really destructive things. Um, uh, blockchain technology is a wonderful tool for freedom. It's an amazing tool for freedom. And Bitcoin is one of those things. If the dollar um, is digitized, which is what the federal government wants to do, um, they all of a sudden they control our money. They control our wallets. And so in, in essence, I have a claim on, on the U.S. Uh, Treasury with my $50 bill. All of a sudden, um, they're going to have a claim to my to my digital dollar if they make that transition. So I can, I can spend this. I just went to the bank. I have 50 bucks. I can spend this on anything, right? You can't stop me from buying drugs with this or, you know, an escort or eggs. This thing can be used anywhere. If you digitize a dollar, they can all of a sudden tell me how I spend my digital dollar on my phone. They might limit how much I can spend on gas, how much I can spend on electricity. Um, the, the, the tool of censorship that will come with the digital dollar is, I think, frightening. Um, and uh, I think we should all be very concerned um, with the digital dollar. And, and again, if I, if I can't get this anymore and it's all on here, it's going to be a huge problem for freedom. And I think you're going to have the surveillance state on steroids. China will look like like child's play um, in regard to um, the surveillance state. 
Yeah, unfortunately, Sean, I, I don't see a, a, a scenario where the government wouldn't do that because it seems like they get their hands and anything that they see it, it has taken a mass effect on the people. We've seen it with stuff like just like the lottery, as far as the gambling goes, like they, they you know, you, that started as a, a penny game in Harlem. Now you have a six hundred million dollar jackpot in the Powerball. The government took that and now you play through them. Uh, they're, they're doing the same thing with marijuana. They're doing the same thing with all of this type of stuff. And I could only imagine seeing them do that with something. They're not going to allow you to have free reign without them getting a piece and getting involved in it. And it seems like that's unfortunately where I think it would be headed. Social credit score system. They can control how I use my money. And that that's that 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 will completely change the relationship we have with money and the government. Um, so I think it's coming. Um, and. You know, you, you might be able to start off with some very strict rules around what the role of the government is with the digital dollar, but you see those erode over time and, and bad people see how they can use that to control you. And again, this is the, the left seems to want to control us on, on everything. Um, all of their rules, um, all of their ideas come down to the basic idea of control. And when you look at what you know, these guys go to the World Economic Forum, they go to Davos. Um, and they want, in essence, they see themselves as the elites and in power and control over all of us serfs. And um, they dethrone us from our own democracies. They take, we, we, we actually willfully give up our freedom to them. Um, that's what they want. These guys aren't out there promoting more freedom, more democracy, more choice, more autonomy. They're pushing less of all those things and they want you to give it to them. And you have some dumb people in this country, most of them Democrats, who think that's a beautiful and great idea because the planet's not going to warm. I'm like, okay, but these guys fly around on private jets. Do they really think they buy they buy mansions on the beach? Do they really think that the planet's in danger when they're doing those things but want you to ride your bike? Come on. Yeah, yeah, that is certainly a hustle for sure. And I, I think one of the most scariest parts about what we witnessed with the pandemic and COVID and the whole bit was at the onset of it, how easily the government was able to convince people to close their doors and shut their businesses. And I think maybe they were even shocked at how easy people complied with that. And if you're going to be willing to do that so easily and give that up, uh, it's scary to think about where they can actually take you and what the, where they can go with you. And, and one thing I wanted to hit you with here, just because I know one of the things with the with the economy, the way that it is, the inflation, the way it is, one of the first things to go in the family is those luxury things that you do, the vacations that you're going to go on and stuff like that. You with nine kids, the whole bit. What kind of advice do you have for families that are trying to get a vacation in? Do you got any tips, any kind of what's the best way to plan or do a vacation right now? I, I think you got to look at what your family likes to do. So I, I, I have my little cabin in Wisconsin. Um, it's a 20 by 20 cabin. I got a lot of kids. It's two and a half stories high. I love taking them to the lake, right? But if you don't have a cabin or a lake, go camping. Camping is a great way to get out um, and sit around a fire and do s'mores or, or hot dogs. Um, really, inex really inexpensive. Um, or some, I mean, I think you can be creative and you go, listen, that, that's even challenging for us. Our, our, our money is so tight. I think you have to find special ways to almost do a staycation with your family to go, how are we going to make these two or three days where I'm taking off work and I'm going to put my phone away that I'm going to set up, you know, certain things that we're going to do these three days only as a family, as if we were on vacation. Um, 
and I don't think kids care, right? They could, they could, they could, they could be at a lake. They could be camping, you know, on a river, or they could be doing a staycation. They want to be with us, um, and they want us to put the phone away and think through how we're going to have some creative time together. Um, but time with your family doesn't necessarily mean money. You can spend money on your vacation, um, but you can also, if you don't have it because you're really tight, you can figure out ways to make special times, really awesome memories for, for your kids um, by staying right in, right in your home and right in your neighborhood, uh, but with some creative juices flowing. Maybe, well, can we build a fort together? We're on our vacation. We're going to go build a family fort. And you, would, you don't want to see me build anything because I'm a horrible builder. I've, I've, I've tried it a couple of times. The most god-awful forts I've built, and my kids loved them. They thought I was, the, they thought I was you know, a carpenter. They were, they're, they're ugly as all get out, but they, that's one of their fond memories of me going out with them, building a, building a fort in the backyard. Um, so that's my idea. We, we just got to be creative as parents. They don't, they don't care. They want to be with us. Yeah, and, and the scary thought, too, is that it, uh, somewhere in the future, we'll all be sitting on the couch like this in a virtual thing, taking a vacation. And it seems like that's uh, unfortunately where it's headed, but hopefully not. Yeah, that, that'll be it. Uh, all right, the, the bottom line, you're a week and a half into this thing, just about what has been the feedback from the show here that you've gotten so far? How are the, how are the views and the ratings doing? Yeah, great ratings uh, thus far. It's been really, really good. Um, and the whole network has been very supportive of, of this launch, whether it's Fox News and Fox Business. Um, and so, we're, listen, it's, when you, whenever you do anything new, the first, the first two weeks of your podcast, you're like, that was bumpy. The first two weeks of my podcast was bumpy. My first, my first two weeks on the campaign trail, my first two weeks in Congress, all of it. So we're, we're bumping and figuring things out, but we're having a great time doing it. And we're getting a great response from, um, from viewers. And again, our ratings have been spectacular thus far. So I'm, I'm so, I'm so grateful um, to be at a network that actually lets us speak about the things that are, are nearest to our hearts, which is our families and our faith um, and our patriotism. So it's, that's cool. Rachel's here as well. So Rachel does the weekends on Fox and Friends, my wife, Rachel. I'm doing the weekday. So this is a unique schedule for us. We're, we're, we're managing together and figuring out. Um, but uh, it's, been, it's been a wonderful opportunity. I'm, a, I'm an old dog and trying to do some new tricks. Awesome, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it. I'm a fan of yours. I love what you and your wife stand for and what you guys do. So uh, props to you. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Sean, I love to ask. I, I've done this with you before, but let's see what you got this time around. What kind of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? The new dad thing, man, that's that. I guess, listen, the first one will stress you out beyond belief. You don't want to, there's like, they don't let you take that little baby out of the hospital. They, 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 I don't have a license and I'm not trained. I can't take this home. And the thing is, you figure it out. Um, there's no magic book on, on raising, raising kids and bringing kids home. Um, I think what's important is talking to your parents, talking to your wife's parents, um, people that you trust on, on best practices. Um, and in the end, you settle in really well. And the bottom line is, it's natural, right? God made us to be able to have kids and figure it out together. And the one, the one, the one piece of advice is uh, take care of your wife, too. That's, she goes through a pretty uh, remarkable uh, endeavor to give birth to a child. And they're, and they're tired. And they're, I mean, and that's our time to step up um, and do all we can 
um, as as again, they're, whether they're, they're nurse or bottle feeding, but it's it's hard on them. And again, we alleviate that and make it that much more special of a time when that new little baby comes when we pick up a lot of black for our for our partner. Very well said. I, I love the message. Been an honor to have you back, Sean Duffy. You're a first class father all the way. Good luck with your new show, and thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here at First Class Fatherhood. Ah, man. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.